Hey, this is Vernon Turner, a former NFL football player. Blessed to be here with LC and Jack Radio Show. You are listening to the LC and Jack Radio Show, live from New York. And now, here are your hosts, LC and Jack. LC and Jack Radio Show with your boy, LC, holding it down. Give us a shout in the studio. You can reach us at 347-843-4738. Up close and personal, Urban Talk Radio. I tell you, man, we get some tremendous guests, but our next guest is, you know what? I, I'm not going to even really talk, talk, because... I think his, not think, I know his his story is going to, it's going to, it's it's one of those type of stories, it's like, wow, and I'm so happy that he's able to carve out, you know, some time out of his busy schedule to share his story with us, share it with the world, he has some big things happening, so I tell you, it's, it is uh, just a great opportunity to have him on the show. So make sure you reach out to us, as you do on a regular basis. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the social media, and we'll let you know what is happening. So without further ado, as promised, uh, so happy our guest today, Mr. Vernon Turner, a former NFL football player that has a story, his story, uh, that he's going to share with us today that will change your life. It changed my life hearing him really um, tell what life, you know, what his life journey went through, what he did. He is also... uh, have a movie of his life that's being developed by the Players Tribune. For those who are not aware, Derek Jeter, formerly of the New York Yankees, is that is his his baby, so to speak. So, without uh, further ado, we're so happy to welcome to the show Mr. Vernon Turner. Hello, Vernon. How are you? LC, what's up, man? How you doing? Ah, I'm doing great, man. It's uh, spring in the air here in New York. It's, uh, it, it, I tell you, we got hit by a snowstorm, you know, uh, recently. So it, I'm, you know, just so happy that uh, it really seems like spring is here. So, I, you know, I can't complain. I know you're in the warm weather down in in the, in the Star State. 
you know, my my favorite state because, you know, I'm a big Cowboys fan. Now I know you're, uh, you know, you you're a New Yorker at heart. Yes. And a lot yes. of a lot of our yes. New Yorkers, we like to. <laughs> a lot of New Yorkers <laughs> love the Cowboys, baby. So I'm a big Cowboy fan, and just well, just looking for a successful season. Yeah, I don't get that, man. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I, I, it's American I team. I, I can't even. I can't, man. I can't even comprehend that, man. I mean, either Jets or Giants, either Jets or Giants. I'll even throw in Philly or a Patriot. Yeah. But Dallas, Patriot. man, oh I live here. For the last, I live. <laughs> I lived here for the last nine years, man, and I just can't. I just cannot. I cannot root for a Tex a Texas team on anything. I just can't do it. It's, I'm, um, I'm New York through and through, man. <laughs> I know you are, and that and that's what's good. We both yeah. New Yorkers, and at the end of the day, we we have a lot in common. So that's that's what's good. So again, uh, thanks thanks again for uh, sharing some time with myself and my audience. They give a tremendous response to our guests that come on the show, and it's it's just great that um, you're able to really get your message out to the world and. And this and this is what this platform does allows you to, you know, reach anywhere in the world. So uh, thanks again, and <laughs> I tell you, uh, like we said, you're you're a uh, Brooklynite from Bed Stuy. That's what I'm talking. That's where I was born. Bed Stuy, yes. and um, and uh, I know you you were there and, and went to Staten Island, really where your journey kind of started out playing, you know, youth football, which which I've done a lot of coached a lot of kids over the years and you know I won't I won't speak for you but uh the coaches have a big impact on on our youth um kind of you know molding them from a, from a young age um doing pop Warner football and I love doing that I still dedicate time because um as you will share with the audience um the coaches have a big impact on on a kid's life, so can can yeah, you share I, that I don't with us? They, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they realize how much of an impact they do have on these kids. Um, you know, for parents, you know, the kids to parents relationship. The parents usually sound like the Charlie Brown teacher, you know, and it goes to one end, not the other. But if if a, if a coach or a teacher says the same message to these kids. Uh, they're more likely to actually listen. So um, it, I don't. Again, I don't. I just don't think uh, coaches and teachers, professors, and you know, of that nature, they don't realize how much of an impact and an, of an influence they have on these kids today. It, it's tremendous. It's unreal. They, they they can literally change and save lives by the way they interact with these kids. Yeah, and I've I've gotten that positive feedback, which keeps me going and. And doing it is, you know, I run into uh, a kid I coach, and he'll call me coach, and it's been years. You know, he's a grown man. <laughs> he's saying, "Hey, coach." Yeah, yeah. So, so that that's like the yeah. ultimate gratification of of doing it, yeah. and and that's that's what it's all it's about. Pretty, and exactly, it's pretty priceless when you get, just like you said, when you get kids years years later after you coach them. And they still reaching out to you, calling you coach. And then they actually, you know, point out specific things that you did for them 
um, that you didn't even realize how much of an impact it had on them. And stuff like that is priceless. You can't buy that. You can't buy it. That's what it's all about. And again, a lot of these coaches don't realize how much of an impact they do have. Good, bad, and indifferent. I mean, they they mm-hmm. can affect them in a negative way too if they if they're not careful, if they don't do things the right way. So mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that, these are the things that I, I speak to a lot of uh, teachers, coaches. Um, I, in fact, I I, I really I look forward to speaking to them even that much more because they do get handed a dough of clay as far as a young human being, a young adult. And they can actually mold this kid um, the, a, a certain way. And I'm just hoping and praying that they just, you know, make every effort to be there for these kids the right way, you know. No doubt about it. It's, uh, I tell you, it's it's great. And I know uh, you uh, you were impacted tremendously, your coaches. And I think, and, and you tell me, without your, 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 your coach and your youth coach, the life may be different for you. Can you share that with the audience? Oh, yeah. I can remember because, you know, I came up as a uh, oldest of five. I was braiding hair, cooking dinner, changing diapers, caregiving at age nine. So my mom was uh, a, a very much of a severe drug addict at the time. And, uh, you know, she, she was just, she spiraled down. Um, and um, I was left to be the caregiver for my brothers and sisters. So I didn't have that normal childhood. And, um, you know, I didn't get a chance to go out, you know, and play with the kids and do all of that stuff because, I, you know, I had things to take care of at home. Right. So when I did actually get a chance to, to do those things and actually be a part of my first uh, organized team sport, which was Pop Warner football, uh, Staten Island Boys Football League, um, you know, it was it was a struggle. It was a grind because I couldn't go to the practices all the time. I was uh, late quite often, and was due to the fact of my situation at home. I had to care for my brothers and sisters. But uh, you know, it's amazing when you get a coach, or especially you know at that at that age, you get someone of an uh, adult to come and step in and say, "Look, I understand. I don't really know what's going on at home." But, you know, you get my first lesson learned as a, as a young man was to never quit because I mm-hmm. actually quit that Staten Island Boys football league team because I couldn't come to all the practices and they were still playing me because I was one of their better players. And I started feeling that resentment toward my other teammates. And I didn't want I didn't want to I didn't want to go through that. So I quit. And I went, when I left, I went to a park and that that coach followed me. And he mm-hmm. had to speak with me. He sat me down. My first lesson learned, man. He said, "You know what, uh, Vernon? You're gonna, you know, you're gonna go through a lot of stuff in your life. But one thing that you're not gonna do is you're not gonna quit." He says, "Because if you start that pattern of quitting, you're gonna quit school. You're gonna quit your job. You're gonna quit your family. You know, you, you you're just gonna quit. You're gonna have this pattern quit, quitting, and you're never you're never going to achieve anything." He says, "So what you're gonna cycle. promise me today is that." Yeah, it's going to be an endless cycle. So he made me promise him that day that I would never quit. I'm going to always try, give it everything I have to, to finish. And from that moment on, that, that was my mentality. And no telling what would have happened had he not chased me down and, and told me that and made me promise him that because I know for a fact I would have quit something else and I would have quit something mm-hmm. else. 
Next thing you know, I, ha- I would have had this pattern of quitting and I would have never succeeded anything. I know for a fact that I would not have uh, uh, got made it to the other side of a lot of the a lot of the things that I went through in my in the, through the course of my life. I wouldn't have made it had I had that quit attitude. So that was my first lesson learned as a young man, and it stays with me today. It really does, you know. Did you miss? Do you look back now and say, "I wish I would have really had my childhood"? Meaning, I don't say a normal childhood because. What's normal for me is not normal for every, you know, for everybody. But uh, a childhood where you didn't have to grow up so fast. Do you look back and say, "Man, I wish, I wonder what it would be like," you know, kind of. This was, you know, a lot of people say this about Michael Jackson as well. He didn't have a normal childhood. Um, I, oh, see, I, you know, I, I thought about that a few times, man, and I said to myself, you know, if I, if I, if I had. If I had that opportunity to go back and change the clock, turn the clock back and, 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 and wish that I had a, a, a normal childhood, uh, to be honest with you, what is actually a normal childhood? I, I really don't know. I don't know if I would become the man that I am today. I, I consider myself a very strong man now. I think I can uh, handle anything that's thrown to me. Had I not gone through the things that I went through, I mean, my mom at an early age tried to teach me some valuable lessons that I didn't get before, but now I get now. I mean, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, man, if I had a chance to turn back the clock and do something over, um, it wouldn't be that. I think it would probably be my relationship with my mother, man. The, uh, the things that, uh, that I went through with my mom, if I had a chance to turn back the clock, you know, I would not have ran in my room and wished her dead, man, you know, because that, that haunts me today. It haunts me today. Right. Imagine a kid being so upset with their parents that they run to their room, get on their knees, and pray that they die, and then 72 hours later, they're gone, man. Uh, I just, I can't wish that on anybody, on anybody. And I don't care how many mm-hmm. therapists or how many sh- shrinks I speak to, I can't shake that. I, I really can't. Uh, I know I didn't kill my mom. I know I didn't, but at the same time, the, the timing of that whole event, um, it haunts me today. And uh, my message to these young people today is uh, uh, to love and respect your parents because they have made sacrifices for you. Some sacrifices that, that they're not even aware of. And um, I, I, I regret that, and I'll regret that to the day I die. You know, it's the first time I actually mm-hmm. shared and talked about that without even breaking down, man, because, um, you know, I, it's just something that weighs on me and I know that once the film comes out and they portray that um, I don't even know if I'll get a chance I'll, I'll be able to look at it to be perfectly honest with you that's that's how much it haunts me today so I, I'm not going sit, to sit here and say that I you know I want to turn back the clock and have a normal childhood because I don't know I don't know what would I don't know what kind of man I would be today had I mm-hmm. had, had I had it easy, had I had it easier back then, I don't know what kind of man I would be today. So I mean, I it is what it is. God, if God does things for a reason. I I make I make every effort not to question it. It is there, um, and um, I just pray to God that I'm a, I'm in a position to 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 have an impact on the, on on people today. I have that impact. You know, there's a quote from. Uh, Mark Twain he said there's two most important the two most important moments in a person's life 
Uh, the first one is when you're born, and the other one is when you find out why you're born. And for the longest time, Elsie, I didn't know why I was on this earth, man. For real, I didn't know mm-hmm. why. I mean, I came on, I came in this earth under horrific circumstances. Reason why my mom got involved in those drugs is because she, at age 18, she was brutally gang raped. Um, and I, it's a, it's a shame, it's shame for me to admit this to say it, but I'm a product of that. I'm a product of that horrific moment of my mom's, my mom's life. And no one would have faulted her, Elsie, had she aborted me or had she given me up for adoption, man. But she, this, this lady made the ultimate sacrifice and she gave me life. She, she kept me. And, uh, you know, and I knew because of the way she, it was that there would be times that she would look at me, man. It would be cold eyes, like she would look through me. It would be so hard, man, that I would have to look away. And I didn't understand it back then, but when right. I found out what happened to her, it, everything it made dumb. sense. Why? I was, I was a reminder. I was a walking, uh, talking. Did she, did she ever, did she ever say, you know, uh, you know, because, I mean, going through that, and, and did she ever say why she didn't have the abortion? Did, she, did that ever come up? No, bro. And the thing of it is, is that I was afraid to ask. I was. Uh, I got you. I, I mean, was, I just. I was so, You know, you I know, a woman's traumatized like that, and it's sometimes yeah. Yeah, not that it's easy. It's just, yeah. and God bless that you're here, because like you said, yeah. everybody's here for a reason. You know, I believe that as well, yeah. and everybody's got a journey and a life to tell and a story to tell. I mean, and. Um, yeah. But the thing of it is, it was that close. It was that close, but I didn't. There was no. There was going to be no existence of a Vernon Turner. Right. You know, it could have been right. to where she gave me up for adoption, man, and I and I ended up mm-hmm. with a family that wasn't worth a damn. And it's right. like it, it. So many things could have happened, man. So I, I'm very careful about you know m- me wanting to turn back a clock and do certain things over. Uh, I do know that uh, that. Uh, I'm hoping and praying that my mom is looking down and and she's saying to herself that she made the right decision and and was she, and back in 1966 to give me life, you know. So uh, I and then to keep me, most importantly, to keep me. So there's just so many lessons learned, man. When people actually get when it when it's dealt when it's told in its entirety, my story, and they understand the struggle and. The, sacrifices and the choices that were made, good, bad, and indifferent. I'm just hoping right. and praying people can learn from it, man, and, and, and make the right choice, you know, on on their end. I, I definitely think so. Like I said, this is a uh, heart-wrenching story, and, I mean, you the way your voice vibrates just, you know, it kind of brings me the your visual. Even, you know, we're doing this, you know, uh, and... And I, and I think the audience is going to get that as well. It's going to get that feeling of wow, of, of that situation. So when you um, that that um, so your mother, when she told you and and you would you know you were talking a little bit about it. She she explained to you what happened and I mean it for an eleven year old kid. I think you were eleven at that time. That is that is that is a lot to go through. Yeah. At 11 years well, it's old. crazy, man. 
Yeah, Elsie, because I, I tell you what, man, I was 11 years old. I came, I ran home from school. I had to go to the bathroom. And I knew my mom did drugs. I knew she did it, but I never actually visually saw her do it until I ran right. home from school and I ran in that bathroom and I opened up that door and there she was sitting there with a needle in her arm, shooting the dope in her arm. And I was just frozen. And I mm-hmm. yelled at her, I said, why do you keep doing that to yourself? And she stomached me in that bathroom and she made me watch her do that. And I asked her again, if you know it's going to kill you, why, why are you doing this? And that's when she mm-hmm. shared with me you know, on why she does it. She says she it makes the pain go away. She doesn't have to she she doesn't have to remember. And then I'm like, remember what? And then that's when she shared with me what happened with her, man. And uh my heart just broke for her. It really did because my mom is uh, was an amazing woman. I mean, she was a track she was a track athlete. She was uh, in a band I mean, she was just so full of life, man. And uh, anytime, even even with her going through that, when she wasn't in that drunk that that drug state, you know, um, the the people around her thought that she was an amazing woman. She just had a smile mm-hmm. that would light up a room. But uh, it was just that dark side that she couldn't battle, man. And she that that uh, I I know I, had she had the help. Uh, she, had she reached out to different people or organizations or programs or somebody to give her that help, I think she probably could have handled it different, way better than what she did. She just she just ran to drugs, man, and that was her that was her vice, that was her that right. was her hook. And, right. Uh, you know, I, again, hopefully, you know, again, as as people find out uh, my 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 story and they see what my mom did go through, you know, maybe they'll see. And they'll make a different choice if they're in similar circumstances, you know. So um, it's a it's a it's a scary process now. You know, I I'm, I'm an author. I wrote my book and uh, of my life. And it's one thing to write your to sit down and go pen to paper and you write about your life, but to have uh, to take it to another level and have uh, people portray uh, characters of your life. Uh, and, and especially aspects of your life that you haven't come to grips with yet. Um, that's the one thing that I'm really scared about. I really am. I'm really scared about that because I don't, I don't know how I'm going to handle that, man. So I'm definitely going to have my family next to me, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, we're that, that thing together. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, they'll be there for your support, and and with time, you know, you'll work through that. But I, I, I think the overall um, story will very, you know, resonate with with everyone around the world, and you're gonna help save lives, my brother. And uh, I think that's well, what you're looking to do. You're gonna you're gonna let those those people know. Listen, you're not the only one that has gone through a you know a journey such as this. You know, this is this is a journey. This is real. You know, this is real. So that's and that's big. And that's real big. Now, now, now one thing I, I was wanted to ask you is that before you know, we, and, and I know we can talk a lot about the movie, but the your dad was Italian, and was that one of the reasons why it was hard for you to really? I don't want to say respect him, but say you know, 
was it was it difficult to I guess really appreciate him because you're like you know you're you 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 know you're an African American and you know I know me growing up I'm like you know my my mom and dad were both African American and I don't want to say that's what you expect but was that was that just difficult to to, to conceptually deal with because he was from you know a different race well, it was just so many different variables and components to my story, and you gotta, you gotta just rewind and think back in the. We're talking about the early seventies. Exactly. Uh, we're talking, and, about, and that's where that's what we, I'm, and that's part of one of the reasons why I say that because you're going at that time frame too. Well, yeah, the thing of it was was that you know that time frame. Yeah, we you think we had some uh, racial issues now? It's it's it's, it's oh, yeah. twenty times bad back then. And before we left, one thing people are going to understand also, you know, my interaction with my stepdad, I don't even like calling my my stepdad anymore, man. That's my dad. Um, Right. I I come a long way to get to that point, though. I came a long way to get to that point. But back then, um, I didn't have any interaction with any white people. We lived in Bethesda, Brooklyn. That was 98 point something percent African-American black. So when we got, Mm -hmm. when we moved abruptly, you know, at, at at age seven, six and a half, seven years old, um, I, I the week before we left, I didn't still didn't believe that we were gonna leave. I heard, my my cousins were coming to me, pulling me aside, said, "Hey man, when you leave, make sure you take care of your brother. Make sure you you know you watch over your brother, man. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be around all, all but white people. They don't like us. Um, better watch your back. Um, you know, this they were scaring the heck out of me." You know, I, mm-hmm. I I didn't know. So right. we actually made that move, and I see this white dude come out the car. I'm, I I mean, I held on to my grandmother. I mean, she had to walk me to that car. So that alone, I was just frightful. I was scared. And then, you know, with the fact that the white people didn't like the black people because of we're a different right. color, and this and that, you know, I, that didn't comprehend to me at, at age at age seven years old. So right. um, that was tough. And then on top of that, we're talking about a full-fledged Italian. Now, again, uh, as we talked off, off, off air, my, my, my dad was a client of my mom's because she was out there also selling herself out there in the street. So she mm-hmm. was out there prostituting. And my, my dad was one of her clients. And he saw something in her more than just what she was doing. And she, he actually asked her to move in you got to think about this now. This is early 70s, man. You're talking about mm-hmm. ask two African, African-American prostitute and drug addict with two African, African-American African kids to move into an all-white neighborhood. You, you, Steven Spielberg can't, is gonna, can't have a hard time writing that, man. Seriously. Not at so all. People are not going to understand the concept of the magnitude of that. So that alone was a big, big wall for me. And not to mention, he was full-fledged Italian, was that he was very vocal, he was boisterous, loud, um, and then he always argued with my mom, and I didn't understand what those arguments were until many years later. And I formed, I kept my resentment towards him because he kept fighting with my mother, and, mm-hmm. um, and he's white, so I had right. this big wall up, again, but it wasn't until years later that I was, all that man was trying to do, man, was get my mom off some, some damn drugs. That's all that that mm-hmm. man was trying to do. Was That's all that was. And but 
but I did not know that until until many years later. I didn't know how much that man loved my mother until she died, and she's sitting in that coffin, and he walks up to her, and first time I ever seen this man cry before. I never seen him cry before, and he just he whimpered, and um, that that got to me. That really that got to me. And then months later, man, he comes home early from work. I walk down the I walk down the hill. I see his car in the driveway. I'm like, what the what the hell happened now? Because the last time I saw that was that when my mom died, his car was in that right. driveway when he was supposed to be at work. So I, months later, I go back in the house. He's he's got his hand and his, his his face and his hands on the table. I'm like, what the heck's going on? I said, what's up? Because I never used to call him dad. Never called him dad. It was always started with, with hey. Or what's up? Or so I, I said, "Hey, what's up? What's going on?" And he looked up at me, man, eyes watery. Again, never seen that. That's the second time I've ever seen it. He said, "I just miss your mom. I just miss your mother. I'm having a hard time." And I walked up wow. to him for the first time, and I put I put my hands on him for the first time, and I hugged him. I've never hugged that man before in my life. I hugged him, and I said, "We're gonna be okay, Dad." And that was the first time I ever called that man Dad at age 15. And, um, you know, he, he, he won my heart. He really won my heart over because that's what you call unconditional love, man. That's what you call. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's, that's my, his family damn near disowned him for bringing us in. Okay. So I, I got much love and respect for that. I love that man. Like he's my own dad. I could, I, I never thought I would ever say that. But, you know, many years after understanding what that man went through, he had his, he had, he, he made some ultimate salt sacrifices for us, for all five, all six of us, man. Right. So, um, it's, it's, it, it was difficult at, at, at back then, yes. But as I found yeah. out what kind of man he was built on the inside, on the inside, I realized what kind of man he was. Nothing but love, nothing but love. And I want the world to know how incredible these two individuals are, were, and still is, because they still have an ultimate, imp- an, an un- unlimited impact on me today. They're, they're, they're giving me strength to do the things that I'm doing right now, man, for real. So um, that's, I'm just hoping that's, and praying. That's real. That's real, right? Yeah, here. yeah. That is yeah. real. That oh. is real. And yeah. I mean, wow. That is real. And that's a true father, you know? I mean... I tell you, man, it's just your your story is so um wow, almost words can't even can't justify just your story and, and what you went through. Now when you I know you know, you you played quarterback and that really wasn't what you wanted to do. You wanted to wanted to run but did you ever and I'm skipping a lot, but I have to ask the question. Did you ever want to play quarterback in the pros? <laughs> I know, or in college, I know you were, you, you'd run the ball and that that's what you want to do. But did you ever have a, uh, you know, the inkling, be like, you know what, shoot, I love to play quarterback in the pros. So I, uh, I actually got hooked on football and it was my dad that actually got me hooked on football. He had season tickets to the New York Jets. He's a diehard Jets fan. And um, he used to ask me all the time if I wanted to go. And I had that, I was in that resentment stage, and I would always say no. And he would always take my brother. And, he, and the one thing that I loved about that cat, man, he never pushed himself on me. 
He never forced himself on me. He never, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he just let me go at my pace. And my, but my mom didn't like that. She wanted me to be like, you know, daddy, daddy, daddy. That wasn't going to happen. But right. at the same time, you know, mom is mom. She's strict. So she, I guess she had enough of me telling that man no. And she, <laughs> and she said the next time, she said the next time he asked you to go to a game, you going. You understand what I'm saying? And the only thing I can say is yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, okay? right. It was, a pre, it was a preseason game. I'll never forget, man, the New York Jets versus the Chicago Bears. And I thought that game changed my life. It changed my life. I had a direction. I had a goal. I had what I wanted to be, especially the position. I saw this man that wore number 34, five foot ten and a half, 198 pounds. And mm-hmm. I saw him run like I'd never seen a human being run with a football before. He ran like he was on defense. And I, I, can, <laughs> I was able to... I'm serious, man. I was able to relate with that because I was mad. I was upset. I had resentment in my heart. I needed a release. I needed something. And I saw this is it. This is it. And um, I always wanted to play running back. But what happened was in high school, I um, was trying out, was about to try out for running back, and I went out for a pass, and the quarterback overthrew me. So I went and I threw the ball back, and I was about maybe 30, 45, 50 yards away. And I threw the ball back, and it hit bullseye. And the co- evidently the coach saw it. The next day, they changed my position. They changed my position. And I, I just asked if I had to play that. Did I have to play that? And they said, yes, that's, this is your position now moving forward. And I always, every day, even up to my senior year, I went to my coach. Coach Fred Oliveri, which is another one of my guys. That's my heart. That's another mm-hmm. one of my hearts right there. Coach Frederick J. Oliveri. And um, even at my senior year, I said, Coach, you going to let me switch my position? He just laughed at me, you know, because it became a budding <laughs> joke. You know? So I was uh, – I gave it everything that I had and everything that I did, man. And I was able to play at – you know, play the position um, very well. I did well. I, I held my own. Um, I broke some records and stuff like that, and I earned a, a, an athletic scholarship to Carson Newman College. And the deal was was that we were going to choose a college that was going to allow me to play running back. I did not right. want to play quarterback. I didn't want to play wide receiver. I didn't want to play defensive back. I wanted to play running back. I said to myself, if I'm going to play on, only four more years of my life in pass, I want it to be the position that I want to play. And that's because of sweetness. Found the school. Is that because of sweetness? That was that was because of sweetness. Yes. There you go. The physicality, go. the physicality, yeah, the physicality of the position, of the sport in in itself. I, I fell in love with it. I really did. And then the way he the way he ran, and then as I got older and I started researching even more running backs, the Gale Sayers, you know, and um, you know, even when he wasn't out there, you know, doing illegal stuff, uh, O.J. Simpson, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I idolized him. Tremendous. The Jim Browns. The, yeah, the, the Billy Sims. All these cast men, I just started researching running backs. I was hooked on it. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, was not, I was not that good of a football player. I'm just keeping it real. People say, yeah, you, are you play in the NFL? This is L.C. I was not that good, bro. I was not that. I wasn't a. I wasn't a great athlete. 
The only thing that I did, though, I outworked and outhearted everybody, especially at the NFL level. When both my parents ended up, my, my mom died when I was a sophomore in high school. My dad died when I was a freshman in college. My aunt moved into my home so, I can, so she can care for my brothers and sisters while I was 12 and a half hours away uh, attending school. That worked out all for a little while up until my senior year. I received a phone call beginning of my senior year from my aunt. She says, baby, I can't, I can't take care of the kids any longer. I'm going to have to split them up. I, I can't do it right. anymore. I took that call standing up, bro. I, my, my knees literally buckled because a year and a half before my, uh, my mom died, she would always say, and at that time, it was a Charlie Brown teacher. Womp, womp, womp. She's mm-hmm. like, if anything ever, whatever, ever that happened to me or your father, it's your responsibility to, to keep the family together. You got to keep this family together. Don't you ever let, a, let, let you guys fall apart. And the second, the moment that, my, that I got that phone call, that's all I thought about, man, was, was keeping my family together. And um, I had no means to support them. I really didn't. My high school football coach tried to help out as much as he could, but that was not his responsibility. He had his own family. I could not put right. that burden on him. So I, I, I left early, um, and I started training. And I told him, I said, look, uh, I, I'm going to turn, I'm, I'm turn pro. And with no hesitation on his part, he said, okay, let's get an agent. Now, you talk about a cat that had a, a, a I say, a serviceable career at the collegiate level. I was 175 pounds, five foot nine, 175 pounds, okay, uh, as a tailback. I did okay. All right. Small school. For right. me to go at the level yeah, for me to go in a pro level, professional level, the NFL, it, that was I was a million to one shot. A million to one. But the one thing that when people I trained my I tell you I had three workouts a day for eight weeks straight. I went from running four five fives in the forty to running four three fours, four three threes in the forty. By the time the scouts came, they didn't know me. I had to invade the party. I had to walk in and ask them if I can work out for them. They didn't ask for me. They didn't know me. You know? So I had to build myself. I ended up being 185 pounds solid rock. I was a, they, they nicknamed me the Ninja Turtle in, in college, getting ready to go wow. into the NFL. I was, I mean, I, I, I did work out some regiments that I wouldn't advise my worst enemies to do, man. I pushed myself right. to the point because right. I was crying. Yeah. I was but crying. You, you, had, half you, the, you had it from, you had it from sweetness. You got that. And I, and I know you, you didn't mention that, but you got that workout from, from Walter Payton. What if he never responded back? Which he did. And he gave well, you that's, that insight. And you're right, Elsie. You're absolutely right, Elsie. I failed to mention the fact that my inspiration and my direction came from Walter Sweetness Payton. I was sitting in the library, man, just, just chilling and just reading magazines, just wanting to get away. And I saw this magazine that had, uh, I was flipping through it, and it had a, 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 a fan club for Walter Payton, of all people, of all people, Okay. Right, your well, man. Okay. Of course, I your idol. I ripped that out, man. I sat down. <laughs> I wrote a. I wrote a letter to him. Seriously, I wrote a letter to him, and about three weeks later, I get a reply. And he, 
just, that's amazing. I mean, it, that, that you got a response. It, yeah. That's amazing. I got a response, man, and he told me some of the regiments that he that he that he did, and he recommended me to do. And one of the ones, man, I, I still to this day, to this day, people laugh at me about this one, and I'll share it with you. He had me go. He said, find an open wooded area, oh, a flat wooded okay. area. I'm sorry, a flat wooded area that had a bunch of trees. It, right. it, at least 80 yards in width, okay, in length. And he says you start on one end with the ball in hand, and you need to run full speed through the trees to get to the other side. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever tried that, okay? So when you're trying to go full speed to and then elude the trees to get to the right. other side, uh, you know, I had <laughs> put it this way, man. I, I had more knots on my head, my shin, and the thing really was, I, I I went to school in the South, Jefferson City, Tennessee. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. and when I was doing my workouts, getting ready for the National Football League, I wouldn't tell anybody what I was doing. All most of my workouts were secretive. I wouldn't tell them what I was doing. So when I would go to the cafeteria after I would do that one running through the trees, and I had right. knots on my head and, and and shins all bloody, they thought I was getting beat up. They thought I was like getting beat because it was like an all white school. The only people right. of color in that school were foreign exchange students and athletes. So I had to go and talk to the counselor and make sure they knew for a fact that I was not getting beat. I was training it's because I had, I had, you know, bruises and stuff on my face and, and head and neck because I was hitting them doggone trees. <laughs> so, wow. But it, it was amazing, though, because that those regiments got me so mentally and physically prepared when people looked at my stature. And if they wasn't ready, when people that came up against me, LC, if they wasn't ready to die on a football field, they wasn't going to beat me because I was ready to literally die on the field for my family. Because I knew that if I did not pull this off, my family was gone. They were gone. So I was crying half my regiments that I was doing. I was crying because of the pain of what I was putting my body through. And the other half mm-hmm. was that I was frightful that, that if I didn't pull it off, I was going to lose my family. So uh, that's the only reason why I made it in the National Football League. I played a total of eight years professionally, six in the National Football League and two in NFL Europe, man. I was blessed to be a part of uh, Super Bowl Twenty Five. And I put a cherry on top of all of that by being the first man ever to return a punt for a touchdown for the Buccaneers franchise history. So right. you're talking about a cat that had, that had no business playing in the National Football League in the first place. But when people hear my story, they think it's, you know, I have to correct them because they all oh, for a sports, a sports movie. No, it's not a sports movie. This is a every bit of a human interest story with a coding of athletics. I was just blessed to have a coding that is full circle from peewee pop to street football to the, to the highest level. I was just that fortunate. I was that blessed, you know? So oh, you when people were. get a full grasp, yeah. So when people get a full grasp of my story and my journey, um, I hate when people say it's a sports story. I hate that, man. That, it kind of pisses me off when they say that it really does because they don't, they don't understand the, the, the journey they don't understand the inside journey part of my story so that's another reason why i you know this this film i mean this story has to be told at a global level and that's the reason why they're doing this this movie you know no it definitely did so i mean 
that you have what you know, I tell kids all the time is not the size of the kid, it's, it's the heart and determination to to, uh, to be successful, period. And, and, and football, and, you know, and this is why I like being a part, you know, I played football as well and, and, and coach. It really it shows the kids. It, it teaches them so many different things, you know, not just on the field but off the field as well. You know, it builds character. Um, it, it um, and you, you know, they build friends. You know, they meet, and I'm sure you have friends from football. Maybe that, you know, because it's a team sport. Not one individual. Um, you can't do it all. One man can't do it all. It's a team sport. Uh, now you, as a one man, was able to break a record. You know, but you also had ten other guys there to help you achieve that and especially on a punt return because you know how it is a lot of times you're like oh man there's a flag down are you kidding me i just ran this thing you know 80 yards and and somebody clipped (laughs) yeah so well you hit something on the head yeah elsie and again i'm gonna i'm gonna echo that in regards to i don't think people realize uh, sports athletics that's the best thing a young individual, man, woman, girl or boy, doesn't matter, uh, that they can go through. Uh, now, me being biased and with the game of football, I consider it the best sport in the world, especially for a young man, because it helps, it does build character. Now, now don't get it twisted now. You got some people out there that don't, that does not lead the right way. You have some coaches out there that, that that's just, uh, I'm just, they're just rotten. They're no good. But for the most yes. part, you got a lot of great coaches out there. You got a lot of great mentors out there that's going to, to teach those right at those, those all those tools, discipline, teamwork, sportsmanship, you know, um, just the overall character, good character. You know, um, it, it has all those tools to teach a, a, a little boy to be a young man, to be a man. And if it's used the right way, if you got the right leaders there. Um, the right messages would come across to these young men. I mean, I don't like getting compliments. I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not comfortable getting compliments because it was taught to me to always work on your weak part of your game. I can never, I'll never forget Coach Oliveri. I, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I think I played against Brooklyn Tech, and I had, I right. gained, I, I think I passed for 256 yards, and I ran for like almost 100 yards. I have three touchdown passes, the whole nine, and you know my, my my name blew up in the newspapers. When we got in that film room, I didn't hear any of that, bro. Uh, it was Coach Oliver was like, "V, how come you didn't make the full three step or the full five step on that drop back? You missed that right. pass. Like, what's you know you got to look right. at this." So he always made me look at the weak part of my game. So I never really looked at my act after that. I guess when it came to my senior year. I never looked at my attributes. In fact, I felt on, I didn't never look at the newspaper. I never, I never thought about that stuff because I was always thought, I, I always thought about the things that I did wrong in that game. And I was really hard and it, and it, and it carried with me all throughout my career. I was always like that. And it was because of Fred Oliveri that made me think he kept me grounded that way too. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I agree. That does better athletes. You see that they they are determined, like yourself. They would, are determined to make themselves a, a, a great player. And the only way you can do that 
is, and you, know, and you you know, I mentioned earlier, New England Patriots. I don't necessarily like the New England Patriots, but Tom Brady, you know, you know, you know, not a, you know, don't 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 hate the individual, but you know, the guy was drafted sixth round. Maybe he shouldn't even got drafted at all. And I don't say, you know, he just he he keeps he's still hungry. Guy's got how many Super Bowl rings? He's still hungry, like he never won anything, and that's a tribute to again the character, like yourself, the character to, to make yourself the best player and the best person that you can be. I'm sure he's like that, and you know what he takes those values personally himself in life, like you do. Well, I, I think to make yourself the well, best Tom, player yeah. and the best person. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you what. Can you get uh, people in positions like a Tom Brady, who is um, very well earned and deserved to be called an elite athlete. The reason why he's called an elite athlete is not because of he's just this unbelievable athlete. It's not that. Like, he can jump over people and, and elude. And it's not about that. It's his, the fact that he, he, he gets it. He gets it. He right. knows that the Lord gave He knows that the Lord gave it, and the Lord can take it away if you don't appreciate it. And he and he his work his work ethic is just is is you can't match his work ethic because he's just like you said that word hungry. I've, I, all the things that this man has accomplished to this point, he still has that hunger. That's the reason why he's probably going to win another one or two Super Bowls probably because of that hunger. And the thing of it is, is that when you get a guy like that, and you know people are going to hate Belichick because of you know because he. He wins, but that's another man that is just hungry. He's willing to do whatever mm-hmm. it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to call it illegal or not, but right. the man is hungry. You don't get too many coaches like that that has that mentality. So you got to, you got you'll never will never see this again. You will never see this type of dynamic, this player this player coach dynamic again. We won't see this again. I'm telling you, when they when they finish their journey. We won't see that again. It will be a very long time before we see that again. Before you see it. So right. I, you know, it's, 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 it's a tribute. People better take notes. Why do you think everybody wants any coach, any player or any coach from the New England Patriots, they want to get him? Garoppolo. Oh, How yeah. many games did he play? You know? But he's about to get paid <laughs> because <laughs> he's been under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Okay? He's about to get paid. Not because of his, oh, yeah. uh, what he did on the field, but because of where he came from. So, I'm not hating on these cats, man. Hey, you, the thing of it is, is that it's dog life in the National Football League or any sport, especially the in mm-hmm. football because it's so physical. They got an X amount right. of window to get to get, to get their funds. So I don't get mad at anybody who's out there making, making that paper and making big paper um, because it's not they're not going to make that too long so um I'm, I, I love this game i respect this game it upsets me when i see people disrespect the game don't when i when i see them take it for granted um mm-hmm. I, I have a problem with that i really have a big problem with that you know so um i have so much to be grateful for man i'm, I'm so blessed just sitting here talking to you man and sharing my story i i, I yeah I, I so appreciate this man i really do and and, and i appreciate you and Every guest that we have on, I appreciate them because everybody has a has a story to tell, 
And, you know, your story, even though I know you say, hey, you're very humble of, of making it to the NFL, guess what? You're still one of the best of the best to make it. There's only 50 guys on the team, and there's very few people uh, that will make the NFL. Case closed. So my hat is tipped to you. You, Of course, you had a tremendous work ethic. And you know what? You were like, listen, I'm going to make it. Guess what? I'm going to take some knowledge from one of the best players to ever touch the NFL field and understand what he does to make him better than everybody else. Well, a piece of what makes him better. And that's what you did. And guess what? That that was that transformed you to get you in the NFL and the rest is history. For you to be uh part of the Super Bowl was, was something too, even though I know, you know, you didn't have that opportunity to you know, to to play in it, but just to be a part of that, be a part of the team. Um there's not there's very few people yeah, okay, they played in the NFL. But to go to Super Bowl, that's even fewer. So and, and, and that experience has got to be life-changing. I mean, and I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Whitney Houston, you know, made history in that Super Bowl, if I'm correct. Yeah. My blessing with that show. national anthem. God rest her. I tell you, she's the best rendition of the national anthem ever, ever, ever. 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 There wasn't, a, there wasn't a, a dry eye in the house. And millions of people watching that, their their eyes had to be watery when they when they listened to that when, when they listened to that rendition. And you know, just like you said, man. It's, but the thing of it is, is that what would have happened? Again, it's all a chain reaction. What would have happened had I had I that that Pee Wee League football coach not tracked me down in that part and sat me down and talked to me about never quitting? What would what would have happened? You know, what would have happened if Coach Oliveri didn't teach me that be hungry and humble mentality? What what would have mm-hmm. happened? You know, I mean, there was just so many different components had I made the wrong decision, had I not listened to these people that were in my corner trying to help me. What if I had that mentality where I just didn't want to hear from anybody, where I didn't want to listen? What, what, what would have happened? What would have happened to my brothers and sisters? What would have happened to me? I mean, it, it, it's scary. It really is scary. That had I made the wrong choice at any one of those moments, my whole life and other people around me would have changed. Their lives would have changed. So it's uh, it's, it's it's so much so much of a lesson to learn, man. That it's you know just to always make an effort to do the right thing. You know, so no doubt about it. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm just a I'm a happy cat, man. I, I, I really am happy and blessed, and I enjoy my career now more than I did when I played because I didn't understand. I was only doing it to save my family, but when I look back now and I see all the things that I have accomplished, it's unbelievable. It's unreal. And if I can pull that off, man, a whole bunch of other cats that's looking at me from the outside can pull it off as well. In the NFL, who was the coach that would that made the biggest impact on you? Now I know you had coaches along the way that were tremendous. <laughs> But in the NFL, I mean, you had a chance to, uh, you know, uh, work with Dan Reeves, even though I know that was short, and um, and other coaches. Who who is though you, you could re- really respect and be like, you know what, it's a great coach, man. You know, 
It really yeah, helped I, I me. I tell you what, I I was very fortunate, man. I, I was very fortunate when my when I got to the Buffalo Bills and Marv Levy. Um, he's a tremendous teacher. Um, he's a, he's an excellent listener. Um, he really he really got the players, and he took extra special time in the off season when I was staying there and training and everything to take the time to call me in the office and watch film with me, uh, mm-hmm. and, and ask me questions about my my thought process and stuff like that. I never that that was I never expected that at that level, um, but I did get it. Um, also. Uh, when I went to the Rams, John Robinson. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, um, I do. That's an that's another dude that was just one of those type of coaches that says, "Look, man, look. I know you made mistakes. Forget about it. I'm not going to eat your lunch. I'm not going to cut you. You know, learn from it. Learn." He he had that type of mentality to these to these players, and it put the players at ease. Now I'm not going to get don't get it twisted. We we still we still suck. We <laughs> we we still didn't win a lot of ball games. But, right. Um, that that player coach uh, relationship that um, I, I really did enjoy that, and then you get then you come across I, I go to the, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I had two blessed coaches on that team. Um, one is Sam Weish, the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I still yep. keep in touch with him. To, I keep, I still keep in touch with him today. And okay. uh, the special teams coach that know, not too many people know about, his name is George Stewart. Now, that's a special cat right there. I mean, he was the one that pushed Sam Weiss to sign me when the Detroit Lions cut me. And he went to Sam's office and said, look, we got to get him. We got to get him now because we, we played in this division and I, you know, I did some decent things. And he saw value in me. And then he, right. <laughs> it was him that said, look, you're going to be the first man ever to return a kick for a touchdown for us. You don't know that yet, but I know it. And really? I'd be darned that, that. Yeah, he was the one. He was the one. That said, you're going to be the one, BT. You're going to be the one to be the be the first man ever. To, you're going to make history here. You're going to make history. And I knew something special was going to happen when I played against the Detroit Lions because I had it was a personal thing. Uh, it was a, mm-hmm. it was a personal thing for me. I didn't know what was going to happen. Either I was going to do something great or I was going to get cut at the end of the game. Two, one of those two things are going to happen because I, mm-hmm. I, had no intentions on fair, I had no intentions on fair catching the ball. And every time I ran, I ran with, with, with hate. So I knew that something either great was going to happen or something very bad was going to happen to me. So thank God, God was looking over me, and he made he made that one special historic moment for not only for myself but for my team because it wouldn't have meant a darn thing had we lost that game. To be honest with you, right? It wouldn't have meant anything to me had we lost that game, but we won the game and we made history. That's what made it even that much more special, you know. And that's but yeah, those were the coaches that really had an impact. Yeah, they really to this to this day I, I, I speak to those coaches to this day. That's good. You, you never had a inkling to to decide to, to coach on a pro level or even or college. Never did, huh? Well, you know what was crazy was that uh, when I left the game, I left it. I cut I, I cut ties with everything and everyone for many years because I was so mentally and physically drained. You got to remember, I was trying out every day, every right. practice. I wasn't one of those elite players. I, you know, I was on the bubble every day. So I had to be on point. So my, I, I worked out year round for years and my body just said enough. So when I, when I stopped, mm-hmm. I stopped. I didn't know, 
I, w- I went into the, what did I go into? I went into the tire manufacturing industry. I went into the oil, I went into the, uh, um, uh, oil industry. I went into office furniture industry. I did not want to have anything to do with sports for a very long time until I started getting an itch. I started doing some high school coaching, started doing some personal training. And as years went on, I did more and more and more. I ended up coaching Blue Gray All-Star team, All-Star, high school All-Star team. Um, and um, that worked out very well because I was able to get, really give back all the knowledge that it was given to me. And um, you know, so I still do personal training today. I personal train. So, but as far as the actual coaching as a career, um, it just hasn't just been in the it just hasn't been in the cards. Uh, I just that just but I know that I could if I I, I know I have the men, I have I have the experience I have the mentality to actually pull it off or I, if I really decided to do that but uh, I have uh, I have some other things on my plate man some other projects that I really want to get get going global wise you know so I'm excited about that. Well, that's what's good. So tr- fast forwarding now, uh, you and you talked a little bit about it. You have a movie. About your life that is in the in the process. What's most exciting about that? Um, uh, obviously, I, I know the challenge of you know your you know all your personal journey is going to be broadcast to the world, which is which is which is difficult. But what's the best part of that goal? When it comes to fruition, which is going to be soon, well, what, what does uh, Vernon Turner uh, get, look look in the mirror and say to himself? Well, just to give a little snapshot for the people that are listening on how it all how it actually transpired, um, uh, one of my representatives sent uh, uh, a synopsis of my story to a to a company called Players Tribune. It's a uh, it's a media platform that's uh, owned by Derek, Derek Jeter. It was co-founded by Derek Jeter and a young lady by the name of Jamie Messler. And um, basically, it's a voice for the athletes. Uh, the, the athletes can tell their stories their way. So when they when they read my synopsis, they wanted to do a feature on me, and they got mm-hmm. the idea to to do a letter to have me do a letter to my younger self. So the reporter asked me two questions. He said, Vernon, if you had an opportunity to go rewind, go back in time, what time would that be? And what would you say to that younger self? And all he did was hit record. And I had my letter to my younger self that I was talking to my 15-year-old self. I was telling my 15-year-old self not to go and run in that room and go on your knees and wish your mother dead because in 72 hours she'll, she's going to be gone and you're never going to forgive yourself for it. And um, it res- evidently it had an impact on more people than I thought. And um, especially with the Players Tribune because they wanted to, they then op- they wanted to option my rights because they wanted to do the feature film. And um, yeah. they're going to be the first, from my understanding. Their first feature yeah, film, correct? This is, it's going to be their very first feature film um, ever. 
So I and this is we're talking about Derek Jeter, which pretty much almost anything and everything that he touches just about turns to gold. So I'm very blessed and, and fortunate about that. Um, but at the same time, you know, this it's it's one again, just like I told you before, it's one thing to share your story uh, in the form of a book. But when you're talking about a feature film, when characters, people, actors playing uh, characters in your life and moments of your life that you have not come to grips with, um, that you're having a hard time with, that's the type of thing that that's going to make it very difficult for me. But the great thing about it is, is that I realize that it's not about me. It's way above me. It's beyond me. The, what I'm trying to get done is beyond me. And that is I want to try to impact as many lives as I possibly can before I leave this earth, you know. Um, right. This is a gift that was given to me. The, this life was given to me as a gift because under any other circumstances, I would not be on this earth today. I would not have the opportunities that I have. So uh, for many years, I felt like trash. I felt like I felt like dirt. I felt like I was worthless. I felt like I should not be here. I felt like that my mom made a mistake for many years, man. And now I have an opportunity to take this gift that was given to me and and make a difference in other people's lives. And you, know, you are. So that quote means so much to me. That quote means so much to me. I did not know why I was on this earth, man. And when I found out why I was born, I'm not looking back. I'm relentless to getting this done. I'm relentless to making sure people understand my journey, what I'm trying to do. And, um, and to be grateful for what you have, you know, and be grateful for the people that's in your circle because they can be gone in a blink of an eye, especially when you leave them with hate in your heart at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. You put my mom in that hole, man. And I had to talk to her, her body and not her to let her know that I'm sorry and I didn't mean it. I don't want anyone going through what, I'm go- what I went through. I don't want that. So this is the only way to try to make that try to make it, make that make that whole and right and just to share my story, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed, man. I'm very, I'm very fortunate. Very, very happy and blessed that I'm in this position now. You are. And you touched a lot of lives, I'm sure that you haven't mentioned already so you keep doing it my brother you uh it's power uh god has given you uh your reason and he wants you to spread your 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 journey he wants people to to see because guess what everybody's going through a struggle and we all can relate because we're all going through our own personal challenges and it's yeah, it's man. how you make it it, it, so, it's. I mean, you're, you 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 you've been put here, and you understand it. And I think everybody's going through that struggle, though. Not just you, not just you did. I think we all go through like, yo, why are we here? I'm going through this. I can't pay, can't pay for my rent this month. I, I can't, uh, you know, my light bill. Um, I think I think we're all going through whatever happens to be, whether it be financially or mentally, or. You know, family. I, I I think that it weighs, it weighs down on you, and you need yeah. you need you need to get that inspiration, that message. Like, listen, 
this is and and that's why I like different motivational movies um, that you see from time to time. Uh, it's just again the the journey and the message. So, uh, like I said, my, my hat's off to you for putting yourself out there. That's the big thing. Because guess what? You you just open your whole self up. And, you know, most people, that, it's, it's hard to do. But guess what? You, you know, you're being blessed. And so, I tell you, anything that you need, we're here to assist you. And when things kind of uh, reveal themselves as far as the movie... You know, we'd love to have you back on where you can actually talk specifics on, you know, how you thought, you know, it was laid out. Is it exactly the way you want it to be portrayed? So I I know some of that is within your power and some of it isn't, but um, it'd be interesting. I tell you, uh, before I let you go, because I know uh, I got to let you run, but. One of the actors, and I know you can't really speak a lot, but one of the actors I would like to see playing your movie, and again, I, I know, uh, you know, this is crazy, but I, I'd love to see Chad Bosman, who played Jackie Robinson in 42. I think he would be a phenomenal person to play you. Again, that's just me, and there's a lot of actors out there, but the way that brother had, you know, did Jackie, which is like like we discussed before, the way racism was, uh, and, and still is, but even back in the 70s, 60s, you know, 50s, going way back with Jackie. But my point is, for him to be able to play that role, and then he did James Brown, I, I think he would be shooing for me. If I, I, if I was calling the shots down there, like, I, I'd make that phone call. So that's just for me. <laughs> and if it happens, I, I can no. be like, yo, Yo, I told Vernon. This LC told Vernon. I can tell my partner, Crown, the bread man, that I hopefully well, I influenced I, that. <laughs> but you never know. I mean, that that those are decisions that are made by uh, big guys. But that's just okay, me. I, I can say I can say this much. I, I can't really get into detail on anything that's going on because a, a, a gag order's been put on me. But I will I say that there has been there has been names. I can tell you the names that have been thrown out there throughout our throughout our team. And Chadwick mm-hmm. Boseman was was one of the guys um, that names been mentioned. I will tell you that much. Okay. Also, okay. The Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan's name's been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taraji P. Henson's been mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. uh, who else been mentioned? Um, uh, you had what is his name? Uh, Ken McGraw's name's been mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been several, several, several namers that has been mentioned the possibility of of, of key roles uh, and within it. And, and I know that um, that they're, they're gonna go. And find the right fit for every character that's on that's on the, that's that's within the story. I look forward to it. It's exciting um, for everybody. But yeah, so just so you know, for the record, Chad Chadwick's name was mentioned. In, All right. Um, so uh, next time yes, I talk to you, yes. I'm gonna be like, Yo, thank you, <laughs> thank you, BT. All right, because guess what? LC got an input on that. At least I'm a brag about it, tell people that I had nothing to do with it. But guess what? <laughs> 
Like I told them. I told them. Well, it's 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 crazy because you got to think about it. It's going to be the two or three BTs that's going to be played. Vernon Turner's going to be played. It's going to be my my younger self, um, middle school, and the guy who's going to take it home. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how they how the how the script is is laid out and how they're going to go about doing it and stuff. So it's exciting. It really is. And I'll tell you what, Brad Gann, again, he's the one, he wrote Invincible. Um, right. The connection that he has with the story and his his overall concept, it, it blew up, it blew us away, the team. So he's, again, he's heavy, hard at work, at, uh, writing right now. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Trust me, you, you I'm hoping and praying that uh, it has the impact that I think it's, if it, if it's going to have the impact that oh, I think well. it's going to have, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be something special, something very special. Oh well, and when you're in New York here, we definitely link up. And uh, when you when you're back here in the NYC, you know we'll definitely link up. Love to sit down with you, chop it up, and uh, good people. And I'm I'm very uh, uh, happy. I'm very happy for you uh, that you know uh, things. Things are just rolling out for you. So, God's continue to bless you. So, like I said, I'm very happy for you, my brother. And just let's keep us informed. When things progress, we'll get the word out to, to our audience. And, like I said, we, we, we're just uh, humbled to have you on and, you know, sharing, sharing your story and spreading it out to the masses here. So, if you had one last pleasure. word... That, yeah. So one last thing, if somebody's listening, they really started to, it's like, wow, what a, what a journey. What would you say to someone that, that's going through a very challenging, their journey is very challenging. What would you say to them to help them wake up tomorrow to keep pushing, to keep keeping on? What would you the tell them? Thing, yeah. Well, the only thing I can think of is, man, is that, there are things in this world that you have no control over. There's things in this world that you just, uh, you, it's not going to change. It is what it is. But what you do have control over is your own life. What you do have control over is uh, what you do. Um, you, you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. You don't have to be a victim of your DNA. You know, you take control of your life. And you have a goal and you, and, and you go after it with everything you have, regardless of what it is. And everything else will take care of itself. It really will. Mm-hmm. But you have, you, ha- you have to just give it every, whatever that may be. You give it everything that you have. And then every, all, the other thing, all the other things are going to work out. I promise you it's going to work out. Because if, if, if four doors slam in your face, there's going to be another one or two doors that's going to open. And those one or two doors are going to be those doors that you're supposed to look and venture through. So, only th- like I said, man, only thing, it, don't be a victim. Don't make excuses for, 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 for not being successful. Own, own it. Own your life. Own what you do. Good, bad, or indifferent. Own it and learn from it. Well said. I don't think you can say that any better. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to uh, fun, you know go, going out as soon as that movie rolls out. I'm gonna be out there to support you, support the movie. And if you got anything going on here in New York, let me know. 
we'll do what, I, what we can here to promote it for you. And uh, the listeners, if they want to find out outside of the promotions on TV, do you have a Twitter handle or Facebook that they can yeah. reach out to you? It, it, if you guys ever want to reach out, I make it a point. Uh, I have a thing about myself is that if, if people take the time to reach out to me, I will take the time to reply. Uh, that's just how I do it. So if you guys reach out, you can go on my website, VernonTurner.com. Um, there's a, a contact form on there. You can reach out and it'll get to me. And I will, I will, it take me, may take me a few days, but I will reply. And also my Twitter handle is uh, at Vernon M. Turner. Um, if you guys go shout out there, I will reply. I will make every effort to reply. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah, just uh, just watch out for it. Just keep, you can follow the uh, process of the film. Um, they will throw updates on there from time to time. And uh, again, if there's anything specific you guys want to know, if I'm able to share it, I will. If not, I'll tell you I can't share it. But I will get back with you, for sure. That's what's good. Well, VT, Vernon Turner, it's been an absolute pre- pleasure, my friend. And like I said, we'll be talking. I'll be in contact with you. And um, keep doing you doing what you're doing because uh, you're making an impact on this world. And so uh, we, we we thank you know thank you again for uh, spending some time with my audience. Well, thank you, Elsie, for having me on your show, man. It's an absolute honor. You're a class act all the way. And uh, I I would I can't wait to get back uh, with you with the updates on on everything that's moving pertaining to the project and um uh, yeah we will definitely keep in touch for sure man you you're not getting rid of me that easy <laughs> it's all good two best style brothers with that said thanks yes, again and, and we're gonna be talking real soon yes sir talk to you have soon have a good one have a good one all right with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.